So being the beginning of the year, I have begun to think about things that maybe I wanna do better in, in this coming year. Maybe you have too. Uh, we call them resolutions, right? But my question to all of us is, have you ever wanted to be passionate about something? And you, because you knew that something was gonna be really good for you, you know, if you could change this, or if you could somehow get in a passion for, you know, whatever this thing is that you feel like would be good for you, but you can't just bring your, you can't bring yourself to get excited about it. I mean, there's a lot of things that we know we should do. It might be eating healthier or exercising for you. For, for me, I would love to like to run. I see the Nike commercials. I see the pictures of people running and exercising in the morning and the sun comes up and, and it's just, it's exhilarating. And as I see these pictures and I watch these, these commercials, it just seems like, look, doesn't he look graceful? And, and it just... It just brings a zen-like quality. So years ago, I decided I was gonna try running. I was gonna try to start running. And let me tell you, this is a lie. <laughs> it was anything other than, than zen-like. I mean, it, I didn't look like a gazelle like in the commercials. I looked like a drunk monkey <laughs> trying to run. My lungs getting ready to explode. It was a lie. It didn't look anything like this. Now. For those of you that are runners and you experience that zen-like state and you do look like a gazelle running through the park at sunrise, God bless you. I wish I had your passion for running. I really, really, I really do. I wish I did, but I don't. But I felt guilty about that, so I scoured the Bible and I found this verse that lets me off the hook. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked run when nobody's chasing them. <laughs> so I don't wanna be wicked, so I don't run. Now that's obviously taken way out of context, just, just for fun. But here's the bottom line. I'm not passionate about running. I want to want to run. I, I, I would love to love to run, but I don't. Now your thing might be different than mine. Or you might uh, want to have a stronger passion for saving money or budgeting. Or maybe for you, it might be staying organized. I mean, like we know that that would reduce stress, but no matter how much we clean the garage or the, drunk, the junk drawer, the drunk junk door, <laughs> it, stay, it continues to get messy. Maybe for you it's self-care or, you know, or uh, relationships. We, there's a lot of things that we know would improve the quality of our life. And yet, why do we struggle to develop a passion for the things we know would be good for us? Now, the biggest passion uh, among those of us that follow Jesus would be, and this is what we're going to be tackling during this series in January, is this question. How do I develop a deeper passion for God? A lot of us, we want to pray more. We want to read our Bible every day. We want to be more involved in church and helping others and outreaches. We want to share our faith with those around us. We want to have more of a passion for God and the things of God, but can we just be honest? Most of us struggle with that. We struggle with maintaining passionate spirituality. So for the next month, we're gonna be really digging into how do we develop that passion, that passionate spirituality, that passion for God. How do we develop a relationship with God that affects every other area in our life? It would be a passion that bleeds into your family, your marriage, your children, all your relationships. 
It bleeds into our school life and our sports and our friends. It's a passion for God that affects our work and our play, our own mental health. So here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with this question. Are you, am I, are we happy with our current spiritual passion? The way that your relationship with God is currently expressed in your everyday life, are you happy with that? Are you content with how much you know him, our personal relationship with him? Are we content with how we see ourselves through his eyes? In other words, Jesus sees us differently sometimes than we see ourselves. Do we see ourselves as loved, as lovable? See, God sees us as more than overcomers. And when I think about myself, when you think about yourself, the question is this, are we content with our self-worth, with our faith? that we have enough of the God-like faith, are we content with how much we're actually walking in his perfect will for our lives? Have we become who he has called us to be? That we are fulfilling the specific purposes that he's given us so that we can make a difference in the lives of other people. Are you, am I, are we content with how much we're letting the God inside of us rub off onto other people? In other words, are you happy with your current spiritual passion? The spiritual passion in your life to be everything that you were created to be. And if you're like most people, in fact, if you're like me, the answer to that question is no. I am not where I want to be yet. I want to be more passionate about the things of God. And if you happen to be one of those people who are not content staying where you are in your spiritual walk, I am looking forward to accompanying you on this journey during this series to get there, to get to passionate spirituality. But before we get there, we need to identify the problem that actually keeps us to get, get, getting to the spiritual passion that we all want. Here's the thing. We all want to be more passionate about the things of God. We got that. But we're not sure how to get there. See, that's the problem usually. Because who doesn't long for a deeper, more significant relationship with God? You know, that, that place in life where we actually find purpose in every day, where we walk every hour in an awareness that we are God's hands and feet, that we are excited to find direction in his word and relationship and prayer, that we're excited to share with others God's life and our faith. But when we live a life with no passion or, or little passion for God, you know, just going through the motions of daily life without any sense of direction and meaning, too many of us know what that's like. Living life small, smaller than the life that you were meant to live. Nelson Mandela actually said it this way. He said, there is no passion to be found in playing small. And what is playing small? It's settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. I love that. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 15, 8, he said, so many of my people honor me with their lips I'm a Christian, I am a, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a believer, but their hearts, in other words, their passions are far from me. Now look, none of us wants to live that life where we're just going through the motions. You know, it's a lack of motivation and enthusiasm with our relationship with God or sharing our faith. 
where we just struggle to find joy or fulfillment in life in general, where we lack interest in spiritual practices that used to bring pleasure at one time. Sometimes we would feel stuck or unfulfilled in, in our personal lives or sometimes even our career or our families. And we have difficulty making decisions, setting goals because of a lack of direction or, or a lack of purpose. So many times we live in that area. Even though we honor God with our lips, our hearts, our passions are far from him. Pastor Louis Giglio says it this way, when we lose our passion for God, we lose everything that gives us life. And for some of us, we've lost what gives us life. Some of us, we haven't lost it. It's just become maybe dull. We wake up without passion and excitement every day. We're not really happy with our spiritual passion. And we don't know why we're not happy. We don't know how to change it. We don't even know where to start to change our passions or to develop a passionate spirituality, passion for God. So what does that look like? A passion that's not fake, where we're passionate about the things of God, and yet you can be still 100% yourself, naturally authentic. We I've met the person that's trying to be passionate about God, but could I just be honest? Sometimes they just try too hard. I've met that person, and I thought, man, they're annoying. I want more of God, but I don't want to be that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an authentic and genuine passion for God that fits how God made you to be. So we want to be passionate about the things of God. The question is, how? How do we develop a passion a hunger for the things of God, a genuine passion for God. Well, I've got good news. The Bible has very clear answers for us. There are, there are several. And I warn you, they're not easy sometimes, but the good news is that there are answers in the Bible to that passion, that desire that you and I want. <clears throat> but first, I want to start talking about passion. Now, let's actually define what passion is. Okay, so the dictionary says passion is a strong liking or desire for, uh, or, for or devotion in some activity, object, or what we're going to be talking about today, which is a concept, passion for God. Now, the Oxford language, uh, language puts it like this, that passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. Wow. So living a passionate spiritual life is living with this deep sense of purpose and meaning, and a purpose and meaning that's actually rooted in our relationship with God. It involves being actively engaged in seeking out as well as following God's will for our life. It involves being motivated and energized by our faith itself. A spiritually passionate life and having this spiritual hunger and, and having a desire to, to grow closer to God it's through prayer, church, relationships, studying of and reading of the Bible. It involves actively serving and loving others. It involves sharing our faith, not only through words, but through your actions as well. This is a spiritually passionate life, and it can inspire and encourage others to actually seek out and follow God themselves so they can find their own purpose. So today, we are going to be starting with a principle that was given to us in a letter by arguably the most famous apostle in the Bible. His name was Paul. 
And if anybody is going to be able to speak to you and to me about how to obtain as well as maintain this strong spiritual passion for God, it's going to be Paul. Because Paul was deeply passionate about his faith in addition to his calling and his mission to spread the gospel beyond his own people, the Jewish people. Now, we see his passion through everything he did. He wanted to share the good news of, of salvation, even when it seemed like there was op opposition, persecution, in every direction coming at him. Most of us, we went through what Paul went through. Most of us, just to be totally honest, most of us would have called it quits. I mean, it was an incredibly difficult, physically, emotionally, mentally, it was an almost impossible life that he lived. He was faced with constant challenges, hardships, things like being imprisoned, persecuted, even death threats. People tried to kill him. And yet, he was passionate. He traveled tirelessly establishing churches, and then that wasn't enough. He actually wrote letters to those churches that we find in the Bible today, and he did that to make sure that they would stay, what we're looking for, spiritual passion. He gave up his own comfort, his own safety, just to share this life-giving message of Jesus to people that were sometimes even trying to kill him. He was betrayed by people that were supposed to help him, and yet this man kept his spiritual passion strong. Now, because of this, Paul has an amazing platform to explain to us how do we develop, how do we maintain our spiritual passion for the things of God. Now, Paul had a secret weapon that a lot of people don't know about. Now, it's a weapon, a secret weapon that almost all of us want. It's available to us, but so many times we lose our focus, and this was his secret weapon. Paul knew his purpose. He knew what his purpose in life was. A lot of times our passions, they wane, or maybe our passion for God kind of falls away or dries up many times because we don't have a purpose. Or we have a purpose, it's just that we don't know our purpose in life. We know that Paul knew his purpose, his not general purpose, but specific purpose in life, because over and over in his letters, he would say that he was called to a specific group of people. And he would write things like this over and over. Ephesians 3.8, he would say, Grace is given to me to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ. So he was called to a specific race or a specific group of people, the Gentiles. Now, also in Galatians 2.7, he says, I have been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. It was another way for him to say to the non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. And there's another place that he mentions this calling that he had, this mission to a specific people group, where he gives us insight on how he and we can know God's specific purpose, not general, but specific purpose to, his life, to our lives. Now, Paul's, Paul, was, Paul was called to a specific people group. Not everybody's called to that specific people group, but he tells us about it, and he gives us some, in, some insight as to how we can also know God's purpose for our life. So there was this time he was preaching to uh, people in, a city, in the city of Antioch, and here's how he puts it to them. In Acts 13, 7, he says, so this is what the Lord has commanded us. He's talking about himself. And then this is a quote from a scripture in Isaiah. And he quotes a scripture and he says, I have been 
I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Here's what I find amazing. Paul found himself in the Bible. You see, Paul was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees, they were these, they were these highly educated group of people. They would be the biblically educated elite. And they were highly educated in the Old Testament scriptures. And they were educated in these scriptures from the time that they were little children. And they were required to have this extensive knowledge of the whole Old Testament, even memorizing the first five books of the Bible. So Paul would have spent countless hours reading scriptures like this, day after day, year after year, just patiently, diligently reading. And I imagine one day, after finding Jesus, as he reads through a portion of ancient text that he would have read hundreds, if not thousands of times since he was a little boy, he would read this verse one more time. But this time, with the help of the Holy Spirit that now lived on the inside of him, this verse would stand out to him like a beacon. And this was the verse in Isaiah 49, 6. This is the verse he quoted verbatim. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And this was the verse. Others would have skimmed over. Maybe Paul himself would have skimmed over prior to this one day. But this one day, at one point, this voice or this verse jumped out to him and gave him purpose. His specific calling and mission in life. This is why it's so important to read the Bible. Because it's the main way that we hear from God. And when we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us as a Jesus follower, it actually unlocks levels of Scripture that, that we didn't know were there before. And if you dedicate yourself to it, I believe you'll find yourself in it just like Paul did. From this day on, Paul would always view his life through the lens of this text that jumped out to him. This text that gave him purpose in life. And this is what I want us to walk away with today, okay? Your spiritual purpose leads to spiritual passion. Purpose leads to passion. Let me say it again. When you know your spiritual purpose, it will lead to passion in your life, that passion that we all want. If you want to experience true passion for God... In this life, we've got to look in the direction of our purpose. Now, for some of you, you know what your purpose is. For others, you're like, Micah, I have no idea what my specific purpose in life is. And I'm going to help you with that in a minute. But most people focusing on their purpose takes a backseat to just surviving life. I mean, all the urgent Things in our life crowd out the real meaning and the real purpose of life so often. Paul had found himself in the Bible. So he understood what his purpose was. And here's the amazing thing. Is that he doesn't just tell us, hey guys, I found myself in Isaiah while reading the Bible. Now there's another place in the Bible where he leaves us breadcrumbs to let us know how he did it. And how we can find God's perfect will for, you, for our specific lives. He gives us practical steps to actually get there. 
And interesting enough, he does it in a letter that's actually written to the Gentiles, the people that he is actually called to minister to. And it's in Romans. And it was a book that was written to the Christians or the people following Jesus in the city of Rome. And here's what he tells them in Romans 12 too. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, he explains to him why he wants him to do this. Watch this. Then, after you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Now, test and approve, in the original Greek, it was just a phrase, and it simply meant this, to discern. So he says, if you do these things, then you will be able to discern what God's will is, his good, perfect, or his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. So he gives us this, the key to know what God's will is, what our purpose is. Because remember, when you know your purpose in life, staying passionate is easier. Paul was passionate about the things of God through difficulties that most of us will never experience. And and, and most of us, we struggle with our spiritual passion for the things of God. The reason is we lose sight of, or maybe we've never even known, what God's will and purpose is specifically for us. Now, in this verse, Paul is urging us us Jesus followers to resist temptation don't conform to the pattern of this world but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you have a clear picture of your purpose and I think if you and I can get a clear picture of God's specific will for our life spiritual passion for God is a natural result for that of that so you can look at it this way okay Paul was able to have passionate spirituality by discerning God's will for his life. He knew God's will for his life, so passion for God was easier. And how did Paul discern God's will for his life? He did it, according to Romans 12, by renewing his mind. So if we flip that upside down, we could say it for us like this. If we renew our minds, then we're transformed And then you can discern God's will, God's perfect plan for your life. And if you can discern God's will for your life, it's easier to remain spiritually passionate about the things of God. So if you don't know God's will for your life, or maybe you know God's specific will for your life, but maybe you've kind of let it slip, put it on the back burner. If we renew our minds, we can have our minds fixed on our purpose and remain spiritually passionate. So although Paul had 10, maybe 100 times more struggles than we had and was able to remain passionate for God, he was able to do that because he knew the, God's will for his life. And he said, the way that you find God's will for your life is to change your thinking, to renew your mind. It starts by being transformed by renewing how you think, your mind. And we have to transform our thinking in order to to be changed and know God's will and maintain our passion. And that's what this series is going to be all about. We're going to talk about different ways that we could renewing our minds for the purpose of knowing God's will and remaining spiritually passionate for the things of God. So we're going to start off this new year right. Uh, we want a renewed mind that creates a renewed purpose that, recru- that, that creates renewed passion. And so today... 
I want to introduce to us something that's going to lay a strong foundation to prepare our minds to be transformed and renewed. Okay, And we're going to do that at the beginning of this year through a powerful dis- discipline called fasting. Now, many of you may not be uh, familiar with fasting, it's something that we do every year in January just to prepare our hearts and minds for the upcoming year. And fasting is a very powerful spiritual dis- discipline. It's been practiced by followers of Jesus for millennia. And what it involves is abstaining from food, sometimes other pleasures, just for a set period of time to be able to draw closer to God and renew our minds. Now, it can be physically challenging, but it also has amazing impact on your spiritual well-being. It helps us to renew our minds and get in tune with God. David, in Psalm 63:1, he said, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek for you. I thirst for you. My, my whole being longs for you. He's leaning into God. He wants more of God as, in, as he's a, uh, in a dry and parched land where there's no water. And when we're fasting, we're leaning into God, setting aside our own physical needs and our own desires in order to seek God and his presence. And this helps us to cultivate that deeper relationship with him, to draw close to him in our thoughts, in our thinking, and in our minds, therefore being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what we're doing is we're just setting aside distractions of the world, focusing on God and his word for a period of time. And that's going to help us renew our mind and think more like Jesus, be more like Jesus instead of conforming to the patterns of this world, like Paul put it. So here's what we're going to do. For 21 days in January, from January the 8th, which is next Sunday, all the way through Saturday the 28th, we're going to call a church-wide fast that we are called 21 Days of Prayer. We do this every year, and I'm telling you, the testimonies are amazing about what God does in the hearts and the minds of people. Now, as a pastor, as your pastor, I want to ask us to collectively fast, to renew our minds, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds by leaning into God through fasting. There's lots of different kinds of fasts. I want to introduce you to four different types of fasts that I want you to consider uh, when you're thinking about what type of fast you're going to do this year. Now, for those of you that... Uh, that are here, uh, there should be cards on the seat. Um, you can also find this at lwc.org slash 21 days as well. On the, on the bottom half of one of the sides of those, it says what type of fast we're encouraging. Now, the first one is what's called a complete fast. Now, this is the most advanced fast, okay? In this type of fast, you drink only liquids, Okay, typically water, maybe some juices as an option, but no food. Now, the second one is what we call a Daniel fast. Now, this is what Daniel did in the Bible. The Daniel fast is when you remove meats, sweets, white bread, alcohol, caffeine. Now, you mainly consume water, juice, fluids, uh, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, There's a lot of different versions of the Daniel fast. I'm not going to get into the different versions. You can research that and decide what you want to do uh, if you want to do a Daniel fast. There's also a partial fast. This is kind of like an intermittent fast, sometimes called a Jewish fast. And it involves not eating any kind of food from sun up to sun down. And you can also, you can pick the times that you want, but it's basically what we call a partial fast. It's a period of time during the day that you're going to fast. And then lastly is what we call a soul fast. 
Now, this fast is a great option for newbies. If you don't have a lot of experience, if you're new to fasting, or maybe, uh, maybe you have some health issues that might prevent you from fasting, or if you want to refocus certain areas of your life that might be out of control or out of balance. For instance, you might choose to stop social media for a period of time or television or whatever it is for a duration of the fast and then carefully bring that element back in in healthy doses at the end of the fast. Now, a couple things that I want to mention about fasting. One is whatever fast you pick, it should not be easy for you. Okay, I'm not on social media, so I think I'll pick that one. That's not it. If you're a vegetarian, uh, well, I pretty much live the Daniel fast, so that's me. No, that's not what this is for. All right, what you want to do is you want to do something that's going to stretch you. Maybe it's a little bit difficult for you. If last year you only did the soul fast, I want to encourage you, take a step up into another fast. Uh, a lot of people, uh, they'll start with one fast and they'll move their way to another fast. And uh, so you don't have to do the same thing the whole time. But the thing is, is make a plan with God and then stick to it. All right. <clears throat> Here's another thing. Be mindful of health situations that might make a certain kind of fast uh, maybe unhealthy for you. If you're, uh, if you're overcoming diabetes or any other physical ailment that where you're overcoming that might cause a certain fast to be maybe a wrong decision for you. you don't, I don't want you to put yourself in any kind of compromising position as a result of a particular fast. Also, I would discourage food fasts for anybody who is overcoming eating disorders. Uh, and so anything that might make a food fast a challenge for your mental health. So if you have any kind of concerns, talk to your doctor before going on one of these fasts, okay? But what kind of fast you do, it, that's really between you and God, just to be honest. But I'd like for you to pray and just ask, am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? And look, if you don't hear anything, that's great. Just pick one. Any one of these is going to help you in your, in your pursuit of God. Um, we also have fasting boards over on this side of the sanctuary, and I want you to sign your initials on the days you're committing to fast. I don't want you to write your full name so that only you know who you are, but as soon as the service is over, there's pens over there, or maybe next week if you decide then what you're going to do, put your initials on the specific days that you're committing to. Now, something else I'd like to ask you to do over the next few weeks, on the back or on your chairs are these blue prayer request cards. One says prayer requests and testimonies, and this is for the, spat, the fast specifically. Um, if you're trusting God for something specific, direction, provision, healing, uh, healing for your family, your marriage, whatever it is that you're seeking God for, I want you to put it in prayer requests so that we can pray for each other. Now, you can see where they're perforated at the top because what's going to happen is in order to keep your identity confidential, confidential. We're going to pull the top off of that so that people can pray for you, and yet your prayer request is confidential. Now, there's also this other one that is uh, praying for people to come to Christ, that you want to bring uh, to bring to Christ or bring them to church. Uh, this is a prayer request specifically for that, so we can pray over those people you're praying for. You can write the names in two different places. It's perforated. You tear it off. Give us one. You keep the other one. Uh, so that you can keep that in front of you and pray for them during the 21 days as well. But I want to encourage you, turn in prayer requests. And 
if you, uh, if you, you can also access all this if you go online to 21 days, uh, lwc.21days, there's a digital version of all this. Now also, in the next, uh, during those 21 days, we're going to have morning prayer meetings um, on Mondays through Friday at 7 a.m. before work and Saturday at 9 a.m. Now, those only last a half hour, 45 minutes at the most. They're not long, but they're very powerful, and they're very popular with people. Uh, people love to come and pray during this 21 days, and I want to encourage you to come and pray with us. We will be streaming it online if you have to because of your schedule, but I want to encourage you to come and physically play, pray with us if you can. Also, these prayer sessions they're going to increase what you get out of these 21 days. We're going to pray over all these prayer requests every morning. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this year's fast, how excited I am about what God's going to do in our lives here at Living Word Family Church. And also in the lives of people that need us, people that are far from God that we're supposed to impact. But I, I wonder, I mean, what would it be like if the whole church got a hold of this thought? that we could renew our mind, that we could know our purpose, that our passion for God would remain white, red hot. What would it be like if we could walk, if you could walk through your life with passion and excitement about the things of God? What if we all did that? It's gonna be amazing. I'm excited to see what God's gonna do during these 21 days this year. And this fast is going to be a foundation for the other steps that we're going to talk about in the other weeks to increase our passion for God. What are those other steps? We're going to discover those in the rest of the Sundays here uh, in, during January. Now, let me say this. Your kids are in kids' church. Uh, for those of you that are students, I want to challenge you that are students to, uh, you know, social media is, is a big thing uh, with most students. And so that's a big fast. I want to encourage you in that. But I also want to encourage you, don't just leave it there. I want to encourage you to really seek God and really ask God, stretch me. What should I do? Now, children, I've seen children be involved in the fast in certain areas. Maybe it's sweets or something like that. But I, I, want, to, I want to encourage that and at the same time be careful. You probably don't want your child to do a complete fast for 21 days. They will put you in jail for that. Okay? But... Uh, I do encourage them in some manner, but please explain it to them. You, we don't want them like, I hate church. They took away candy for 21 days. Somehow they convinced my parents to not let me have candy or TV for 21 days. So be careful. Make sure that you, you introduce it to them on their level to where they understand it and they want to participate. All right? So, uh, so I'm going to leave that up to you. Some of your children, it may not be the time for them. Make sure that they come out of this. If they're going to do it, don't push it on them. Make sure they're going to come out of it with an understanding uh, and, a, and a deeper relationship with God themselves, not coming out of it saying, thank God I hate January at Living Word. You know, thank God this is over. So making sure to do that as well. <clears throat> I am so excited. Once again, I know I keep saying it. I'm really excited about what God is going to do in us. I just feel uh, I just feel an anticipation about what he wants to do in our hearts. And so I want to encourage you, as David did, lean into God. Uh, it starts next Sunday, and then it'll be for those 21 days. All right, will you stand with me?